Hello and welcome to Top in Tech. This year has been a major year for antitrust policy, major cases going to court in the US. We've seen challenges to Meta's acquisition of Within, the big case between Microsoft and Activision. We're also seeing cases unfold with the FTC against companies such as Amazon. And we have seen this week starting a case by the Department for Justice against Google and its search business. My colleague Agoma Wankwo, senior associate in our Washington DC office, is poised to talk us through today and its implications that it could have not only for Google and for its competitors in search, but also how the US approaches antitrust policy and the precedent such cases can set for the future. So Goma, thank you for joining me. Could we start with uh, just quite a basic question to inform me and also to those on the line about the case? Why is it the DOJ and its antitrust division is going after Google? And what exactly is the DOJ alleging that Google has done to suppress its competitors? Thanks, Conan. So this week, as you've mentioned, is the start of the biggest tech monopoly trial since the Department of Justice's antitrust division challenged Microsoft's back in the 1990s over its dominance in the PC market. And for a bit of background, the DOJ filed this lawsuit against Google back in 2020 during the Trump administration over the company's dominance in the online search market. And a group of 35 states, along with D.C., Puerto Rico, and Guam, followed a near identical suit against Google. And that case will be tried alongside the DOJ's case. And this is the first case like this in the modern Internet era in the sense that it's the most serious challenge to the way the tech industry operates. And it's really a test case of whether the government can succeed in its fight to to rein in the industry. So the government is essentially making the argument that three crucial groups are being harmed, rivals, advertisers, and consumers. So on one hand, Google has a monopoly over online search and has allegedly abused its dominance to shut out rivals and startups, which has resulted in the absence of choice when people look for search engines. And so in turn, this has harmed advertisers who pay to use Google's ad services. And because these advertisers don't have many alternative options, Google can sort of charge them higher prices. And the government is also arguing that consumers have been harmed in ways that can't necessarily be quantified through traditional methods of measuring harm, such as price. Instead, consumers are harmed through things like the quality of search results and, of course, all of the data that Google collects on consumers to better target advertising. And one of the reasons that Google is able to collect so much data is because consumers don't have alternatives to choose from. So if consumers were choosing Google because they had easy access to good alternative competitors and felt that Google still had the best search engine and service, then that's one thing. But the DOJ is basically saying that Google has a monopoly and is using their dominance to exclude and suppress their competitors, which doesn't really leave consumers with much choice. So this at a high level is is why the DOJ and the state attorney generals are pursuing this case against Google. But I'll talk a bit about what the DOJ is alleging that Google did to actually suppress its, its competitors. So we're going to see that a key focus of the trial will be on two kinds of agreements that Google has made with other companies. 
One type of agreement has to do with the payments Google makes to browser makers such as Firefox to be the default search engine on a smartphone. So, for example, when you're searching for information on your smartphone and you open up the browser, when you put in your your search query into the browser, that by default goes to Google. So the government is basically arguing that such an arrangement creates overwhelming barriers to entry for rival search engines and It also drives consumers to use Google rather than other search engines, which essentially means that Google is able to collect more data than its competitors to make its results even better. And so because of this, consumers use Google more often. So there's there's sort of this reinforcing cycle that's going on. And the other type of agreement has to do with Google's contract uh, with phone manufacturers that run on Google's Android operating system, which require them to preload certain Google apps. So to sum this all up, what we'll see over the next eight to 10 weeks and from the collection of state attorney generals is that they'll make their case in Washington, D.C.'s district court um, concerning why Google has allegedly violated antitrust law through exclusive agreements with phone manufacturers and browser makers to make its search engine the default for consumers and Google in turn will work to tell the judge why its behavior isn't anti-competitive and instead provides consumers with a better experience. For some European listeners, this might sort of feel back to the future in the sense that the tech lash almost started with three major cases against Google in Europe. One of those focused very specifically on search. But the key difference there is that it really focused on one specific element of search, which was how the shopping search options were how were displayed and how they interacted with the broader Google search function. The case that you're describing, Gomer, in the DOJ sounds far more ambitious in one sense, but also more comprehensive about the nature of search. I do wonder, though, as an aside, whether the DOJ's case looking forward incorporates things like generative AI, whether that's Bing Chat or ChatGPT, because clearly there could be some impact in the future market share of Google search if those are seen as an alternative to it, though I admit the case remains to be made. So back on track with the case itself, can you just give us a little bit of a sense? I started with a list of other cases that have been going on in the US in digital antitrust and merger control policy this year. Can you just give us a sense of how this case aligns with other recent and upcoming cases we're seeing under the Biden administration this year? Yeah, so the DOJ's lawsuit against Google is not operating in a silo. It's very much part of a broader push from the administration that further builds on President Biden's 2021 executive order on promoting competition in the American economy. And in that executive order, Biden called for the rigorous enforcement of antitrust laws to meet the challenges posed by new industries and technologies. So at the end of the day, the, in, the DOJ is really just executing the wishes of the president, who has made it clear that he wants to crack down on big tech. And Cantor Alina Khan at the FTC are the people leading that effort. And in many ways, this DOJ versus Google online search case kicks off what is to be the administration's largest cases and potentially most impactful cases against big tech. Yes, they have pursued cases such as Meta and Within Unlimited and Microsoft and Activision, but what we're going to see in the coming months is this focus on fundamentally changing the business operations and potentially even the structure of the top tech companies. 
So in addition to the Google online search case, the DOJ and several states have sued Google calling for the breakup of the company's ad business over alleged illegal monopolization of the digital advertising market. And the FTC is also expected to sue Amazon as early as this month. And that suit will likely target key elements of Amazon, such as its retail marketplace business and third-party sellers on its website. We don't know yet what kind of remedies the agency will seek, but they could very well look to break up the company. Also on the docket is Facebook's purchase of Instagram. The FTC has been looking to unwind that deal. So there's a lot of activity that's going on in the antitrust space here in the U.S., and we will see a lot of action over the remainder of Biden's term. Going back to what I was saying before, I think to European listeners, you can be struck by the ambition, really, of all of these cases. I mean, unwinding Instagram, Facebook, for starters, the ad case, there's often been complaints around Meta and Google or Meta and Alphabet's position within the advertising market, whether that needs more thorough investigation. But Europe, whether that's Brussels or whether that's the CMA in London, I don't think they've quite got the cumulative ambition of this number of cases. And I suppose, and we might come onto this later, the record so far this year hasn't been that positive for the Biden administration, certainly from the cases that the FTC has tried to prosecute. Let's say that you know, that may not be the outcome this time round. The Biden administration via the DOJ might be more successful. So can you just talk us through quickly, what are the implications of this case if the judge ends up siding with either side? If they side with Google, what does that, what does that sort of mean for where the Biden administration goes next? And likewise, if the DOJ wins, is that a shot in the arm and revitalization of the Biden administration's antitrust policy? Yeah, I'd like to caveat here to say that it does sort of depend on the particular specifics of, of the judge's ruling, right? But if, let's say, the judge does rule in a way that favors Google, uh, that could very well end up sending a message to the tech industry, especially the major players, that the government's oversight of the industry, especially in the antitrust space, doesn't really hold any weight. And this will certainly come as a huge relief to Silicon Valley, which has been more cautious in their actions because of the perceived heavy hand of the government. You have Jonathan Cantor, the DOJ, and Lena Khan of the FTC, you know, who have had big tech squarely in their sights. Now, what I'm hearing in D.C., especially from people who tend to be more skeptical of big tech, is that if the judge rules favorably for Google, that is indicative of the fact that antitrust laws are not being enforced in ways that fit the current market dynamics, right? The idea that consumers are being harmed through high prices is not suitable to tackle the harms raised by tech companies through things such as the vast collection of consumer data, which is so valuable to these companies. Also, a loss for the DOJ could cause the division and the administration more broadly to take a step back and rethink its legal strategy in other pending tech cases. And while they wouldn't necessarily pull back completely, we could see enforcers at the FTC and DOJ potentially take a more conservative approach, especially if they keep losing cases. Now, if the judge does side with the DOJ, that will have major implications for Google, the wider tech industry, and the future of antitrust enforcement in the U.S. Now, DOJ prosecutors have been a bit tight-lipped regarding the penalties that the department will look to impose on Google. But what we do know is that they have asked the court to stop Google from doing the things that they laid out in, in their lawsuit. 
And that could potentially mean new restrictions on the types of agreements that Google could enter into to be the default search provider on a smartphone. And these are more behavioral changes, which interestingly was actually the result in the DOJ's case against Microsoft that I mentioned earlier. So in that case, Microsoft was notably not broken up, despite the fact that it's what the DOJ prosecutors wanted. Instead, Microsoft agreed to remedial measures, such as pledging that it would not prevent clients using Windows to work with other software companies. So we could see something similar in this context around the agreements. And we could also potentially see the DOJ mirror the EU. So for example, to appease antitrust authorities in the EU, Google introduced a choice screen that would allow users to select their preferred search engine from a list of options rather than being defaulted to Google. Now, there is also the possibility that the DOJ could seek to break up Google's online search business, but the dominant view seems to be that the DOJ won't break up Google, at least not with this case as the vehicle. The DOJ, as I mentioned earlier, is pursuing another antitrust case against Google that targets the company's dominance in the advertising business. So it's more likely that we'd see the agency pursue breaking up the company's advertising business in that case. But even then, some regulators and lawmakers are actually a bit wary of breaking up these companies because they worry that it might hinder innovation at a time where competition with China is intensifying, right? There's definitely a view that these big tech companies are our national champions and we shouldn't disrupt the processes that allow the U.S. to be a global leader in the tech space. So even efforts to break up these companies could run into a lot of political challenges. And there's a clear distinction between the debates that we see in Europe, where the focus of these investigations is predominantly towards companies who are US-based. So that national champion dynamic doesn't really serve to protect companies. In fact, it may reinforce the logic for launching some of these investigations. Can we go back to a point, Agama, that I touched on a little bit earlier was around how new generative AI tools and systems have the potential to disrupt the market. They may not necessarily like-for-like replace search, but they might replace some of the functionalities of it around asking questions and the source of information from online sources. How will this case interact with the next generation of technologies? Yeah, so this case certainly has implications for the current tech era that we're in, but it also has implications for the next technological era that we're shifting into. There is this question of whether because companies such as Google are dominating the current tech and internet era, whether that means they'll also dominate the next era. Or could we see newer platforms become the more dominant players? And this is certainly a concern for regulators and and lawmakers especially as they try not to repeat the same mistakes that they made during the rise of of social media. Now, with that said, Google has a lot of data. And as we know, data is the bedrock of AI. So in many ways, they are already at an advantage than their competitors. But what the court decides will play a role in this future in the sense that if behavioral remedies are placed on Google and restrictions are put onto their search business, Perhaps the volume of data they collect and can subsequently train AI tools on is reduced. So even though the case focuses on Google's search business, the trial outcome could also affect whether and how the company can use its core product, Search, to dominate new sectors in in the coming years. 
But if the court were to rule in favor of Google, there's not really much in the way to prevent them from also dominating the next market. Of course, it's not so black and white, but their access to vast troves of data really positions them on another level from other companies. But the AI landscape is still very much in flux, and there are major new entrants into the field that could shift it shift the existing market dynamics away from the existing firms who dominate tech market. So, Goma, thanks for that. Can we just also go back to a different point that we were talking about before, where I referenced some of the FTC cases that we've seen earlier this year, most obviously Microsoft Activision, which the agency has lost. And the former, that agency, the FTC, has gained a bit of a reputation for both being aggressive against big tech, but also losing cases against big tech. The question, if you're looking at it from an external perspective, would be, is the DOJ perceived to be a little bit less politically controversial than the FTC? Is that, is that true? And if so, what does that stem from? Are there differences in approach between the two agencies? Or are actually there an element of consistency between the two? And actually, it's very personal and specific, this, this change in attitudes towards them due to their respective leaders, Khan and Kanter, who you mentioned earlier? I think that's, that's a great question. So if we really look at Kanter at the DOJ and Khan at the FTC, their approaches and views on antitrust are not at all dissimilar. They're allies. They both push to expand the government's thinking about antitrust. Kanter, like Lena Khan, is increasingly reluctant to negotiate settlements with companies they both would prefer to sue to stop what they view to be anti-competitive mergers. Uh, they both push to bring more cases to trial, as well as cases that test the bounds of the law. It's certainly a more aggressive stance, especially when we compare it to their predecessors. And so as a result of this, Jonathan Cantor and Lena Khan respectively have reputations of being aggressive towards big tech and monopolies, especially when you compare their actions to those of their predecessors. I can understand why to an external observer, it seems like the DOJ is less politically controversial. And this, I think, ties into the cases that they've pursued, their backgrounds and how their leadership is perceived. So both the DOJ and the FTC under the Biden administration have experienced a lot of losses, both regarding tech cases and other antitrust cases. And this has been for a variety of reasons, including the lack of proper resources and capacity and how the judges interpret the law. Now, one major thing that Cantor has going for him is what a judge sided with the DOJ in blocking the merger between Penguin Random House and Simon and Shuster. And this was a major case because it did not just block a deal that would have made the world's largest publisher even larger but it also validated the DOJ's sort of novel argument about why the deal should be blocked, right? So instead of only focusing on harm to consumers, it also focused on the potential harm to writers who would have fewer options and less competition to publish their books. So this was a major win for him. But I should also flag that while the DOJ has been pursuing antitrust cases, it's more recently that we're seeing them go after big tech, whereas Lena Khan has been going after multiple tech companies from both an antitrust and a consumer protection perspective. So I think that she's a bit more in the limelight when it comes to big tech cases. Now, with that said, I think that the DOJ versus Google case 
will certainly place cancer in the line of fire, so to speak. But this brings me to the topic of their backgrounds. Khan's appointment to the FTC sort of shocked a lot of people because, yes, she you know, has writ- had written a groundbreaking paper on Amazon's antitrust paradox and really shook up the antitrust world. And she worked as a legal fellow with the FTC and later served as counsel to the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust, you know, where she led the congressional investigation into digital markets. Critics really felt that she lacked the leadership to head a federal agency. And they point to things like she only graduated law school during the Trump administration and she doesn't have extensive experience in the economic spaces. In contrast, Cancer has a bit more of a practical background. He's a seasoned corporate lawyer. He spent 20 years at several major law firms defending the world's biggest mergers. Interestingly, he was an early advocate for building an antitrust case against Google, even though much of the work happened on behalf of Microsoft. But his work focus and priorities really shifted when he began representing smaller tech companies such as Yelp in their efforts to push back against companies like Google. And he had experience prior to joining a lot of these firms as an attorney with the FTC. So broadly speaking, I think his background has worked so well for him, even though it does raise questions about conflicts of interest. Now, to my final point on leadership, it hasn't helped that the FTC has seen a lot of turnover since Khan assumed the position as chair. And it really hasn't helped that we've seen articles about morale within the agency. And it hasn't helped that former FTC commissioners such as Christine Wilson have cited Khan's tenure at the commission as a primary reason for their resignation, claiming that Khan has a disregard for the rule of law and due process. So there has certainly been a choir of voices demanding a check on Khan's leadership. And we haven't seen similar rhetoric about the DOJ, which I think has really helped their image in major ways, even though they are still losing cases. So you tell a tale there, Agomba, of heart accident of timing, by the sounds of it, accident of timing, accident of focus, with the FTC going earlier in some senses on some of the big tech cases than perhaps the DOJ has, but also something very rooted in the personality of the leadership. And obviously the great contrast with Europe here is a far more political way of appointing the heads of these agencies and therefore a higher degree of partisanship and political scrutiny attached to them. But thanks for taking us through that. We'll obviously keep a very, very close eye on this case but also other antitrust and merger control developments in the US, but also in Brussels, London, and elsewhere. But thank you for taking us through that today, Agoma. For those on the line who'd like to talk to Agoma about this case, or indeed any others, please look up her details either in the podcast note or in www.global-council.com. You can find her bio, her contact details, and those of the rest of the team. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week for an interview with the European Data Protection Supervisor. Many thanks. Bye-bye.